So just today, we hear that Daniel Snyder is hiring an independent, yeah, right, independent investigator to look into that. And of course, how do you look into that? You ask Tiffany Johnston, hey, you said he groped you, did he? And she's like, I mean, she would say, yeah, I just said that in front of Congress. It's true. Ask Daniel Snyder, is it true? He says, no. All right, end of investigation. I mean, what are we doing here? Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm Andrew Brandt. We are sponsored, as always, by DraftKings. The music you hear is from my son, Sam Brandt. What a week. I haven't talked to you yet about the explosive charge by Brian Flores, the deposed coach of the Miami Dolphins. We're going to go through all of that. I know people have been asking, when are you going to talk about it? When's the pod? Well, here it is. I'll talk about that. I want to talk about the Washington Formerly Redskins, formerly football team, now Commanders, my hometown team, my hometown team not looking so good off the field continually. I want to talk about that and news breaking as I speak today about yet another quote unquote independent investigation into them. And then we'll look at the game itself and the new landscape that we have of sports betting in this country. It really is a sea change from the past. First, I was lecturing in my sports business class last week at Villanova. Our subject was name image likeness. So I was talking all about the new world of NCAA athletics and student athletes now being treated differently and having an ability to monetize. And all of a sudden, some rumbling among the students. And they're like, Professor Brandt, I think you may want to talk about this. Uh, And they show me what's going on. It was late Tuesday afternoon a week ago. And needless to say, that was the end of my discussions about name image likeness. Then the class became, what is Brian Flores suing about? What is going on? Okay, a lot to unpack here. First of all, it's in a class action suit, which is really an invitation to others to join his class action, who are similarly aggrieved. Other coaches that feel there's systemic racial bias. Other coaches feel they were aggrieved in the hiring practices. Other coaches that feel they were similarly treated. Now, it could be coaches, it could be front office, it could be those aspiring to be general managers. We saw some news from uh, Hugh Jackson, former coach of the Browns, about similar treatment, although he retracted any idea about a bribe. We saw a similar conversation from Marvin Lewis, the former coach of the Bengals. So we'll see who joins this class action. It first has to get certified. Now, this is the legalese behind it. Southern District of New York. Now, there is a hearing on March 18th, I believe, to get the parties together on this. So we'll see where it goes. The Brian Flores side has to survive a motion to dismiss, which is immediately coming from the NFL. We know that. I think Troy Vincent's comments alone, which are in the lawsuit about the NFL not doing well in this area, that might be enough to get it past a motion to dismiss. Let's talk about the charges themselves. Um, The sham interview charge, I want to talk about that. First of all, we talk about uh, Denver Broncos. So he shows up, Brian Flores does, to an interview. He sees the brass of the Broncos, including John Elway, Joe Joe Ellis, what he calls hungover and disheveled and not really paying attention, really advancing the theory that that was not a serious interview, that was a sham interview. So Denver Broncos, they're called out. Maybe even more damning, New York Giants are called out because Bill Belichick, who's as tied in as anyone to the coaching circles in the NFL, is texting what he thought was Brian Dable, that he's got the job. This is before Brian Flores even has interviewed for the job. Not a good look for Belichick, who some say cynically he was doing that on purpose to get back at the Giants. 
and certainly not a good look, good look for the Giants. Now, Giants and Broncos, again, the charge on the Giants is they decided on Dayball before they interviewed Flores, so it would mean a sham interview. Now, maybe there are other interviews after Dayball, which would mean they're all sham interviews, and this all comes to light because Bill Belichick, the bumbling uh, technophobe, Bill Belichick has, in his words, effed up and texted the black Brian, thinking he was texting the white Brian. How about that? So Giants and Broncos have gotten their PR together. This never happened. We had a process. And this is a foreshadowing if this ever went to trial. If this ever went to court, what do you have? You have Giants management getting on the stand or being deposed and saying, listen, we hired Brian Dable for this these 10 reasons. Race was not one of them. You have the Broncos getting on the stand and saying, we hired Vic Fangio at that time for these 10 reasons, none of which are race. So how do you prove it? It's going to be tough because this is a civil rights case. And you have to show really the but-for test established by the Supreme Court, which is but-for race, Brian Flores would have been hired. But-for his being black, he would have been hired. So we'll see where it goes. The biggest charge in the lawsuit, as everyone talks about, is not really related to race, although there's a racial overtone to it, that his former owner, Stephen Ross, bribed him to lose, to tank, not only for Tua, but to tank for Joe Burrow, and was going to pay him $100,000 to lose games in that 2019 season. It's an explosive charge. It would bring up more than NFL scrutiny. It would bring up scrutiny from the feds, Sports Bribery Act, all these things. Of course, Ross vehemently denies it. There's word out there. NFL Network even reported there's a corroborating witness that was struck down by NFL Network. Surprise, surprise. And supposedly Ross told people that one, uh, one report was they did admit to it and that he was joking. So, We'll see where that goes with testimony. Like everything, this is no surprise to anyone listening. You're going to need evidence. What's the evidence? Beyond Brian Flores saying that, then it becomes a he said, he said. Ross said he didn't. Flores said he did. Is there someone overhearing? What witnesses are going to be called? Is there anything in writing? All of that is the key here in terms of evidence or lack thereof. So the Flores suit calls out the NFL. What do we have in response? Immediately, immediately, a PR statement Blah, 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 blah. The suit, it's without merit. That was not a good look for the NFL. You know, that's something lawyers say. So PR-wise, to say it's without merit, when even their highest-ranking black executive, Troy Vincent, has said this is a problem. So they came to their senses two days later. Saturday, we have the NFL saying, oh, yeah, we're going to look into this. We're going to have diversity. We're going to do all this stuff. We're going to strongly worded message from the commissioner to the executives and to the owners like, hey, do this. And then we hear about an, a meeting on Monday, Roger Goodell and a bunch of African-American leaders, civil rights leaders, which is, you know, again, that, to me, it's PR unless the owners are there. The owners were not there. So it's interesting. This, you know, you haven't seen... A lot of owners in the news about this. They're staying away from it. Listen, it's gonna, this is going to apply to Daniel Snyder in our next conversation about the Washington. This is a problem with, as people call oligarchs, or just the way these owners are treated by the NFL office, in addition to networks, in addition to sponsors, in addition to their fans, there's their own celebrities. They're doing interviews and autographs and all that. 
is just that this is, they're untouchable, right? We've seen the protection given to Daniel Snyder. We've seen Jerry Jones being as big a celebrity as anyone in the league. Uh, Steven Ross, I mean, they're untouchable. I've been around NFL meetings and you go to these meetings and there's all kinds of gifts at the door. When you get there, there's all kinds of uh, freebies for owners and their families, their free shoes, free sweats, everything. You go into a store and you just pick out what you want. Now, I'm in little old Green Bay, but I was with kind of the quote unquote ownership group at these meetings. I'm like, great, you know, outfitted my whole family. But they are not, these owners are not used to hearing the word no, and they're not used to hearing it from even the commissioner. The commissioner works for them. For people who don't know that, back in the day when money wasn't that big in sports, the commissioner was, you know, worked for the best interests of the game. But we're in a different time and place. These franchises are all worth plus 2.5 billion plus. And that's a different scene. I mean, these owners have invested extraordinary sums of money, taken an extraordinary amount of risk. And for that, they are well served by the NFL. So despite all this, the NFL, of course, has incredible business. Business is booming. More people are going to watch the Super Bowl than ever. Everyone moves on to new dramas. That'll always happen. But the Brian Flores issue will stick. We're still talking about it 12 days later. I think the issue is, is what can you do? I hear a lot of people being long on what's wrong with the Rooney rule, long on what's wrong with NFL hiring. Light on what's right. So what is the right way to fix it? People talk about incentives, and we have had that. You know, the hiring uh, of coaches that are minority, that have been with the team for three years, you get back compensatory picks. That's happened even this cycle with Mike McDaniel going back to the 49ers from the Dolphins. But that doesn't seem to be working. We just had a hiring cycle. I mentioned Mike McDaniel, which I'm sure the Dolphins cynically, again, were thrilled when they found out he was mixed race. And we have Lovey Smith, who's kind of a backup candidate, holding the fort in Tex in the Houston. But again, this hiring cycle was disappointing, right on the heels of the Flores suit. So Flores was a candidate at the Saints and Texans. The Saints and Texans both went with defensive coordinators that are already there. The Texans is, is especially crazy because five days ago we heard the finalists for the Houston, Texas coaching position are Josh McCown, longtime NFL vet who never coached, and Brian Flores. Okay. Two days later, we hear, no, we're going to hire Lovey Smith, who was there with the coaching staff that just got fired, who wasn't a candidate in the... So anyway, my feeling, my translation was that Josh is too early. He's going to be a coach in waiting somehow. And Brian Flores is suing the league. So it's pretty simple. They, you know, and of course, Nick Casario, the GM of the Houston, said that's not a factor. Of course, it's a factor. They didn't want to hire Brian Flores because he's suing the league. Brian Flores is qualified and younger than Lovey Smith and a defensive coach. Like they hired the Brian Flores model, just an older model that has no staying power as coach. I think the Texans for two years in a row, I think everyone thinks this, will go back to back one and done's with African-American coaches that were never hired to be there long-term. The last thing I'll say is, what do you do? I think sanctions is the only thing. It hit them where it hurts. So if it's determined there are sham interviews, and that needs to be in more of an accountability process, if it's determined there's some kind of bias in hiring, hit them with sanctions. You know, when, when the Raiders went after John Gruden, I had a podcast on this with the Rooney Rule. With Among the guests was Jim Rooney, the son of Dan Rooney. And there were no sanctions when... 
the Raiders focused in on John Gruden and didn't really have a serious interview with anyone else. No sanctions. So what about um, sanctions? Stronger sanctions. Let's see if that comes up. The other thing is, is accountability, as I mentioned. And then you have to use that four-letter word, five-letter word, sorry, that no one seems to like, quota. Would we do a quota? Would the NFL mandate a quota that any collect any singular year in the NFL, there has to be pick a number, five African-American coaches, six minority coaches, whatever it is. So these are things to think about. I think we all like to bang on the NFL, including me, but what's the answer? You know, the meetings, the PR, the meetings without the owners, you know, that's all PR. But what is the answer? And that's what we have to focus on. We look at the Brian Flores lawsuit. Brian Flores is trying to be, for lack of a better word, a freedom fighter like Kaepernick to like back in sports law history, like Kurt Flood, like John Mackey, like Andy Messersmith, to be a pioneer for what's ahead to come. This is all about, you know, he's sacrificing his coaching career for those coming after him. And these are the freedom fighters, as I said. So kudos to him if we change. If this lawsuit is successful, we'll see change in hiring in the last in the next one, two, five years in the NFL. Otherwise, we'll see what happens in court. But he has called out the NFL. It is something that's resonating still today. And obviously, we'll focus on the Super Bowl, but we'll get back to this. And the hiring cycle was not good for the NFL, despite the Mike McDaniel and Lovey Smith hires. All right. One of my favorite sponsors. I use it every day. It's Athletic Greens. Um, I started taking it years ago. It benefits my lifestyle. Uh, I'm very into health. It supports better sleep, recovery, mental clarity, alertness. I mean, it costs less than three dollars a day. You're pouring it in the morning. Some people take vitamin, multivitamins, AG One, Athletic Greens One. It's a small micro habit. You know, I'm all about habits that help your health. It's one thing to take care of yourself, but it's another thing to do it in a way that is part of your day. Um, has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Professional athletes use it. Trusted health experts that I listen to on podcasts like Michael Gervais, Tim Ferriss, they use it. So I, I strongly recommend Athletic Greens AG1. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into flu and cold season. Yeah, I got some cold right now. It's one scoop in a cup every of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements. Look out for your health. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel products with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash BOS. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash BOS. Take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Washington football team uh, testimony last week on Thursday on Capitol Hill from a lot of women that were groped, that were part of a toxic workplace in the Washington football team. Congress became aware of this through the John Gruden lawsuit. They saw the brazen nature of those comments, and they realized that the Gruden lawsuit emanated out of, I'm sorry, the Gruden emails emanated out of a lawsuit by Bruce Allen against the, against the Washington football team and all these things that came out about Washington. So as I've said many times, whoever leaked the documents, they didn't realize, I mean, if it couldn't have been Washington, they're not that stupid that it would come back on them because that's where the focus is. And Congress took an interest. So I'll, uh, this was way back a couple of months ago. And then the hearings happened last week. A couple of these women were on my podcast a few months ago that spoke about 
what they dealt with working for Washington. They couldn't look owner Daniel Snyder in the eye. They couldn't call him Daniel, of course. They had to call him Mr. Snyder. He never addressed them. They were told by executives just to be in meetings to look good. They were told to wear high heels, never flats. They were told to wear skirts, not not pants. And then, of course, uh, the more explosive one where Tiffany Johnston, one of the witnesses, testified that at an event, Daniel Snyder was sitting next to her and he groped her. He put his hand on her thigh. She pushed it away. Later, he was going to his limo. He tried to push her in the limo. She got away because the lawyer said, Dan, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And that testimony is now in front of Congress and out there. So just today, we hear that Daniel Snyder is hiring an independent, yeah, right, independent investigator to look into that. And of course, how do you look into that? You ask Tiffany Johnston, hey, you said he groped you, did he? And she's like, I mean, she would say, yeah, I just said that in front of Congress. It's true. They ask Daniel Snyder, is it true? He says, no. All right, end of investigation. I mean, what are we doing here? As we know, there was a long investigation into all of this, the toxic workplace, which was an oral report by Beth Wilkinson, never got released. I would say this to the NFL, before you allow Dan Snyder to have another quote-unquote independent investigation, which is going to be released to the public, release this. You know, release the Wilkinson report before you start a new investigation. Wouldn't that make sense? You know, what are they hiding with that? And obviously they're hiding something because it's a written report somewhere in a drawer. They only went oral, so no one knows about it, but you know, if, if Snyder's going to be allowed to have his own independent investigation, you know, we need to see a released report of the Wilkinson investigation. Again, I talk about this all the time. It's disappointing. It's my hometown team. I grew up with them. Diehard fan. And it's hard to see what's going on there. So what will happen? Uh, Snyder's hiring this firm, these former ADAs, uh, to do an independent investigation. Do we expect anything out of it? I don't expect much, no. As I tweeted, here's the investigation. Uh, Dan, well, call me Mr. Snyder. Okay, Mr. Snyder, this woman testified in Congress that you groped her and you tried to force her in your limo. He would say, she's lying. They would say, all right, I think we're done here. Of course, you know, this reeks of the fact they may do opposition research on Tiffany Johnson. They already came out and said, hey, this was 13 years ago. She didn't even talk to Beth Wilkinson. Okay, so they raised Beth Wilkinson. How about that report? You know, I just feel for these women. I taught a class this weekend. I had one of the women come to the class, Emily Applegate, and speak about her experiences. It was heart-wrenching. Even though she was only there 18 months, sounded like an awful time. So, uh, again, release the report. I'm behind these women. I don't understand why they're afraid to release the report. Spent so much money and time putting it together, and now Snyder's like, hey, let's do another report with friendly investigators. Yeah, it doesn't sit well. Well, let's get to the Super Bowl and where we're at with that game this weekend. First, let's talk about Masterworks. As hot as the sports betting apps are, there's a new app, and it is El Fuego. It's called Masterworks. Gives you access to one of the most exciting investments on earth, that is art. Not many people realize blue chip art prices have outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% from 1995 to 2021. That's because if you could afford to buy a Picasso yourself, you probably already is rich. Thanks to Masterworks, you can invest in Hall of Famers like Warhol, Monet, Banksy. You don't even need millions. Over 320,000 have signed up. 
get priority access with Masterworks game day promotion. Log on to masterworks.art slash BOS. Masterworks.art slash BOS. See important disclosures at masterworks.art slash BOS. A new app that is El Fuego. Okay, my last rant is we are at the Super Bowl. I haven't even noticed that there's a game this weekend, but there is. A couple things. I may have talked about this before. It's interesting. The Rams are the great experiment, right? They have thrown caution to the wind about the future. I know someone said, well, they've had all these draft picks in the past. I'm not talking about the past. They have mortgaged the future with all these number one picks. Uh, and I thought a really, in my view, a really trade that didn't make any sense to me, a two and a three to Denver for Von Miller, who's an aging linebacker with an expiring contract. I didn't get that. They got Beckham. They didn't have to give up a draft pick for him. They have had tons of dead money for Jared Goff, for Brandon Cooks, and others. Anyway, they're the great experiment. They're the win now versus sustained models and building and draft and develop and all that. So we'll see. Can we say they're a success if they do win the Super Bowl? Yes. Can we say it if they don't? I don't know. We'll judge that in a week. But you have the contrast of styles here because they're playing the Bengals who have traditionally been the most frugal and I guess miserly team in the NFL. <clears throat> when I was an agent, I always hated going up against the Bengals. They were so tough in negotiations, inflexible. They used to practice spinning field under a highway. They um, didn't hire full-time scouts. They let the coaches scout. Their feeling was, Hey, these coaches aren't doing anything in the spring. Why can't they scout? I don't know how much they've changed their ways. It's ironic. The two players leading them are both raking rookie contracts in terms of Chase and Burrow. They have spent a little bit in free agency, but it's just the ultimate contrast. And Mike Brown, the owner, he's a curmudgeonly type who'd always get into it at league meetings with the uh, big market owners like a Jerry Jones. You know, Brown would be railing against some idea or some, you know, and Jones would say, think bigger. You know, you got to think bigger. We got a big league here, big brands. So, it's a really a contrast in styles. You have the multi-billionaire Stan Kroenke and the miserly Mike Brown. That's going to be interesting. The other thing is sports betting is rampant. Stats from the AGA, American Gaming Association, 31 million people bet on this game. That's 10% of the country. They'll bet almost $8 billion. It's just so amazing. Like years ago, you couldn't bet. Most of that would be illegal. And now it's just part of the mainstream. And of course, the prop bets and I just am continually shaking my head at the wild acceptance of sports betting. And I'll never forget the day that the Supreme Court announced it, 2018, May 14th. Mark Cuban said this will double our value of franchises. And, and it maybe it hasn't yet, but it certainly will. And I saw a quote from Rupert Murdoch's son that Fox is making its most money on the locals based on sports betting. The NFL limits six ads per game, but it seems like it's more than that. And I know DraftKings sponsors this this podcast, and DraftKings and FanDuel are everywhere. It's just a, a recognition that sports betting is now part of our fabric in sports, and the Super Bowl is a reflection of that. Uh, is it good? Is it bad? I mean, I think we can debate that, and we can debate the morality of it, but we can also debate the morality of, of casino betting and lotteries and horses and drinking and smoking. And speaking of smoking, like marijuana, there's a societal tolerance for gambling and marijuana, sports betting and marijuana, that is really tracked similarly, uh, where society and laws have tracked in more acceptance. 
Now, we've got about half the states in the country now legalized sports betting. We know that New York's in, and New York had the biggest handle of any state over the first two weeks. Florida's coming. California's coming. I mean, Utah will never happen. You know, we're never going to have sports betting in Utah. But this is a massive, massive change from just a couple of years ago. And I think we just need to note that. We just need to note that. Finally, my pick, sure to go wrong. I've picked every game wrong in the playoffs. So I want you to know, if you're looking to bet, you're probably going to go against what I say here. I'm going to pick the Cincinnati Bengals. There's something about this team. There's something special about this team. Uh, I don't know what it is. I know everyone talks about Burrow, but it's very opportunistic defense. It's an offensive line that is much maligned but seems to hold up. And this is happening for the Bengals. I, I just think this idea they're a year or two away, they're too young. You know, no one thinks like that when you're on the field. Like, they're going to try to win. They have this kicker with an incredible bravado about him, the only kicker drafted last year. Uh, although when he played the Packers, he celebrated a missed kick. That was a little weird. Anyway, I'm picking the Bengals. Uh, I know it's out there, and I know everyone will now rush to their book to their sports betting app and take the Rams. That'll do it for this week's edition of Business of Sports. I now have not only a newsletter, you can get andrew-brandt.com, but my Sports Business League, where I meet with you guys every week, the members. I give you daily content. Go to andrew-brandt.com slash SBL, andrew-brandt.com slash SBL for Sports Business League. Twitter, Andrew Brandt, Instagram, Andrew Brandt 2, Clubhouse, ADV719. We're produced by Brian Neal. Musical producer, you hear Sam Brandt. And Apple Podcasts, rankings, comments, always appreciated. If you would, share this podcast with a friend. I would appreciate that. I'll be back next week after the Super Bowl with the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Have a great week.